Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Thanks for joining us tonight, everybody. There's a lot going on in the music world, specifically in the hip-hop world right now. And so we felt it was time to have one of our periodic check-ins on the current state of hip-hop music and the culture. Firstly, a song called Old Town Road by Lil Nas X is the early favorite for Song of the Summer. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to check it out as soon as possible. I'm a big fan. Not everybody is. That's why it's such a fun song. Uh, it's also notable because it is what you might call a new genre. Uh, country trap. I don't know if that's the right phrase. It is a rap song with country lyrics. Uh, and the rapper Lil Nas X wears a cowboy hat in the video. Uh, he also uses the intonations that we associate with country music, like a lot of hard R's, and he talks like a country guy. Uh, it's a joy for all those reasons. If you haven't heard the song, my description doesn't do it justice. Uh, go check it out. Also of note, uh, a four-part documentary miniseries mini premiered recently chronicling the rise of the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, it's four parts. Uh, it's on Showtime, hour per episode. I, for one, loved it. Uh, and I used it as a nostalgia machine because of my age to be instantly transported back to a time when I smoked blunts every day and navigated the turmoil of youth in the mid-90s. Uh, we'll see what our guests have to say about it. I, I've only heard good feedback. Uh, I mean, I'm sure real fans, super fans, everyone's going to find something to nitpick, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and because we can't have a hip-hop episode without mentioning Drake and or Post Malone, I chose Drake this time because uh, I'm, I expect that our guests will have something to say about it. And speaking of our guests, uh, joining us once again, uh, calling in from St. Petersburg, Florida, is Jordan Correno, a.k.a. Acoustics, uh, MC, Uber driver, Renaissance man. <laughs> uh, one, one of our favorite guests on the show is here. Uh, welcome, Jordan. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, sure thing. And uh, our other guest today is a first-timer, always exciting to have uh, somebody on the, on the show for the first time, Royce Wilder, New York City native, Harlem native, uh, hip-hop lover, very opinionated, very intelligent, uh, very fun person to talk for hours about uh, any kind of obscure minutia related to music, sports, or anything otherwise. Basically, Royce Wilder, uh, in my opinion, is just like was born a podcast guest. I don't know why it took so long to get him here. He's fun to talk to. Royce, thank you for being here. Great to have you. Gracias, gracias. Yeah. I'm here. Uh, first time. And yes, it is the first time. Hopefully it won't be the last. Uh, and because it is your first time, we do have a tradition here. It's just like Fight Club. Uh, if it's your first time, uh, you get to go first. So I'm I'm coming for you, Royce. I have watched uh, three of the four episodes of the Wu Tang documentary. Don't ask me why I haven't watched the fourth. I'm getting to it. I just got a, I just got a new TV installed. Um, I loved it. I thought they did a really good job setting it up, uh, and I thought it was a good introduction. A lot of the time when I watch a documentary or read a book about something that I you know feel pretty familiar with. Um, I'm like a little bit like, all right, well, I already knew this, but there was a lot of stuff in there that I didn't know. And I thought the archival footage was excellent seeing old concert footage and all the home movies of those guys. Um, I, I was tickled start to finish. So I'm curious, ha have you watched all four episodes? What is your kind of hot, uh, hot take at this point? Yeah, I did watch all four episodes. I, I did enjoy it. I think there was a bit missing from it that could have helped it a little bit. 
Break the down. Overall, break down. Well, was, I mean, like, there was a few, like, um, I guess, like, slight historical things I thought were, like, prevalent to a period of their time that were left out. And it's, like, later on where it wasn't, like, necessarily, like, the whole entire Wu-Tang together. You know, like, when they had, like, little beefs and squabbles with people. Yeah. Would have loved to have heard, like, the whole the, the whole big Biggie Bad Boy thing True. Raekwon had in there. True. Would have loved to have heard, like, the issues with um, 50 Cent. Right. Back True. when Ghostface had the beef with 50 Cent. True. I thought, like, a lot of that could have been in there. But otherwise, I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, I, a little a little slower than I would have expected. Yeah, you know what? Been. I noticed that, too. You know, Josh, who you also know, a friend of ours... Um, he watched it and he was like, oh, it was good. It took a while to get started because um, they spent the first episode, you know, to use another metaphor, setting up a lot of tent poles, right? It's mm-hmm. like they're assuming that there are viewers who don't, who are watching this who don't know anything about Wu-Tang. So they have to tell you like, all right, these guys are from Staten Island. These guys used to watch Kung Fu movies. <laughs> uh, there's nine of them. Here's all nine of them. Um, so it was a little slow to get started, but I didn't mind that background because I felt like visually they did a good job of it. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by what you mentioned about leaving out the, you know, the biggie stuff. Um, I, in, in terms of oversights, I, first of all, I had forgotten about the hot 97 beef. Yeah, um, yeah, I did too. And so, so for our listeners, if you haven't seen the film or, or if you don't remember this, like me, uh, apparently there was some drama with uh, Summer Jam Hot 97 in uh, the summer of 1997 when Wu-Tang Forever came out, their second album that you know went multi-platinum. Not as good, arguably, as an album as the first one, uh, but still seminal and memorable in its own right. But there was some drama because um, I, I guess they weren't paying them right. I, you know, I, I wish I could give a better description of the details, but... You know, on stage, I forget who it was. Do you remember Ghostface? Of course, was it Ghost? (laughs) Of course, it was Ghost. That got up on stage and said to the whole audience, whatever thirty thousand people at Summer Jam, hosted by Hot ninety seven. He said, "Say it with me." Fuck Hot 97. All all 30 people in the audience said, fuck Hot 97. And, <laughs> 30. And they got... And oh, 30,000. Sorry, 30,000. Yeah, not 30. 30,000. You're right. You're right. Thank it's you. House, man. I, I need to get... It could have been a small venue. Who knows? You know, Summer Jam was new. Um, but they, they banned their music. Hot 97 wouldn't play Wu-Tang on the radio for 10 years. And that's the reason why we now have Drake. <laughs> Bro, you're, you're bringing it all together, man. Already. Well, Already. I, I, I think I certainly think that's true because there I associate you know '97 to early 2000s as an absolute drought in hip hop music. Yep. I, I didn't like Rough Riders. I didn't like Ja Rule. I didn't like Murder Inc. I didn't like any. Wait, wait, wait! You didn't like Rough Riders? I DMX was alright. What? All right, okay, all right. It's a controversial <laughs> opinion. I'm not saying that there's that Rough Riders weren't good. There's a lot of. So good you're ones. saying? Wait, time out. See, now we're gonna digress. <laughs> That's what you we do. Saying you are saying that you didn't like the locks. Um, the locks were cool. I mean, they're alright. They're yeah. cool. Wow. Okay, this is this is. So I mean, it, it's this is kind of a sidebar, you know. Yeah, like, right, let's get back to you. Have a point. The Rough Riders uh, have a lot of merit and a lot of good music, you know. I thought but, you were going to go to Nelly or something like that. And I was oh, great! Me. That's a better example, you know. You l- l- let's leave Rough Riders alone and just say like Nelly. It just got kind of corny, and I didn't identify <laughs> with it. Now, full disclosure, 
How old was I? 18 years old. What happens when you're 18? You think you're woke. You think everything's corny. You want to be conscious. So what was I listening to? You know, Dead Prez, Black Star, and anything on the radio to me. You know, I was listening to all that raucous record stuff. Remember that raucous record? Right, right. Yeah, I remember you that. Know? So I was like, sound oh, yeah. Bombing. That's sound bombing. That's what I listen to, sound bombing. Yeah. You know, it's underground. I, I have a backpack. I do graffiti, you know. So that that's probably why I, I didn't like anything on the radio, even if it was good. But... What's what's interesting about this Hot 97 band is, you know, that was kind of the the sun was setting on the golden age at that time, 97, right? It's like, you know, Pac just died, Biggie just died. Um, and if you, you know, I associate that with the sun setting on the golden age. And, and the point that they made in the film, and I forget which member it was, maybe you, God, said, we missed out on that. Like, we didn't get to have our proper moment. Like, we could have kept going strong. But Hot 97 has so much influence in the industry that we didn't get the radio play that we deserved. And I never thought about it in that context, historically, you know. Uh, Jordan, I know you haven't seen the film, but I know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you're an MC. You have been, I think it's fair to say, influenced by uh, the music and lyricism of the Wu-Tang Clan, even paying homage to Inspector Deck in, in one of your verses uh, are, do you have plans to see the documentary? Do you still listen to Wu Tang music? Like, is that is that still relevant, or is this are are we just like waxing poetic about another age? Um. Well, I just just to finish off your last point uh, about them getting banned from Hot ninety seven because I you know I I'm a little younger than you guys, so I didn't really come up with Wu Tang Clan so to speak. So I didn't really get that you know to live it out. I got all the Wu Tang I got was after the fact, and it's already out. And, you know, you start digging through the crates when you're 18 years old and you think you're woke and you stumble upon Wu-Tang and then you listen to it all back. But it's interesting to think that possibly that band had something to do with the degradation of hip-hop music and the sound of New York, so to speak, because, yeah, yeah I mean, right around that time, Biggie dies and, and there's now it's even still today where it's only really Joey Badass that has the New York sound that comes out. But, um... Yeah, we, Royce might Royce might disagree with you there, and yeah, I, I and I might I might disagree with, with you there. There's quite a few New York rappers out there. Who's that kid yeah. who Who's that kid who just snitched on everybody? Um, <laughs> yeah, Takashi. Takashi. He's not Bro, really a New York. He sounds he sounds like MOP yelling all the time. <laughs> to me, that's like a New York sound. You know, I mean, we could spend hours trying to dissect what a New York yeah. sound is, but like, I didn't used to like Takashi. I mean, did I dislike? I didn't. I, I don't know. I knew him as an internet personality first and i was like who is this kid right yeah. just the same assumptions everybody made and then i was like and then i listened to his music and i was like bro some of this music is kind of hard like it's it's like not terrible music and it feels like golden age and i think all those asap guys are cool you know i like asap rocky and i like asap ferg and that's like right. but i see, mean i get what i get what he's saying i'm saying he's saying that the sound traditional sound yeah not that they're not they're not in new york yeah uh I get what you're saying also with Takashi because of his delivery, but his yeah. production style isn't really a New York That's production true. style. But the music moved on. I mean, it's going to sound different. You know, it's like Wu-Tang didn't sound like Grandmaster Flash. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but there's still like very New York sample-based music. That's that true. Does pretty well, that's what happened. The whole industry was like, it's not sample-based anymore. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the whole industry was like, we got to get back to the keyboards or whatever, which I don't particularly like. I, I miss the samples, but samples are exactly... Samples are expensive, man. Oh, yeah, man. Clearing samples it, is a whole yeah. headache. And they didn't used to be. There was a time that you could just, like, sneak a little drum beat in there and no one noticed it. And then they kind of, like, shut that down, I think, around our time in the 90s, late 90s. Um, like, Primo used to get really mad because people would put out those mixtapes 
that would play the original song that that it, you know people had sampled and he you know primo came out i think this was on a gangstar album he was like listen all you snitches out there you robots dj snitches telling everybody what samples we're using he was saying that because as soon as those mixtapes came out all the record companies were like all right well you got to pay us now um but uh, jordan you were saying just about like you know how it's different to listen to wu-tang looking back as opposed to experiencing it as it came out like what you know uh, did that inform like you were like okay wu-tang is like not really you know making new music that's super relevant anymore i can i can think of i can treat this as the canon yeah like you know what i'm saying it's over now it definitely is canon i mean um not even just from like a musical standpoint, just from like a cultural standpoint from what Wu-Tang became and, and kind of what they represented. I mean, you think about hip hop super groups, like really, really super groups. And they're kind of one of the few that you can really think that stands out and their music. Does Outkast count? Outkast is a duo. Um, and that's, a duo is a group. Uh, they get, they're in the same Grammy category. I, mean, I guess you say Goody Mob and like the whole Dungeon Crew. Tribe. All tribe. Okay. Yeah. Tribe right. definitely okay. is up there. Tri- tribe is a crew. But, I mean, Wu-Tang is this whole different uh, cultural phenomenon where you have, you know, like any rapper that you run into that uh, that still spits on boom bap beats is 100% going to tell you that one of their favorite rappers is from Wu-Tang, man. Of course. Um, but, yeah, I mean. I'm proud to say, people say, who's your favorite rapper? Every time I, I'm like, ooh, ooh, Ghostface. I'm, like, excited to say it because it's like <laughs> it has political cachet. You know what I mean? It's like. It's like, look, I have some cultural currency because yeah. my favorite MC still happens to be. But, you know, those those solo guys, even after, in my opinion, the Wu-Tang solo albums were kind of like, tra- not solo albums, but their collective albums were kind of trash after Wu-Tang Forever, you could, yeah, you could say maybe. Yeah, a little bit. Um, those solo albums were still good. Ghost still came out with good albums. Red Man. Uh, well, well, Red Man's not really Wu-Tang, you know. Oh, really? They I mean, consider him now. I mean, I... No, no, he was not a founding member. He's nah, not, he was in... He's not one of the nine, and he's from Jersey. Although that's very close to Staten Island. It's closer to Staten Island than New York. That's true. That's true. And ODB was from Brooklyn. I need to watch it now. See, no, Red Man's not even in the documents. Nah, he's no, he's that's how not a part of the the clan he is. But he, I mean, he got so tight with Meth, and obviously he was a good cultural fit. You know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, bro, you like to smoke blunts and act crazy as well? Well, you join us, (laughs) you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, those guys, you know, Method Man for a while kept coming out with original albums. So the solo people kept it going. Ghostface, I mean, the reason I like him and still like him is that he kind of kept changing and adapting and making music. And even though I didn't like all that R&B stuff that he did personally, because I don't know, I just don't like that sound that, you know, um, I think that was a cool move. You know, he's like doing songs with Neo in 2005 or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it is, it, it is just part of the canon now. And I did realize like, oh, I'm an old, like I always say, like, I'm not an old head. I listen to these new <laughs> artists and I find value in them. You know, I remember uh, you, uh, you gave me a CD to play in my first car and you're like, I'm going to introduce you to good music. And half of it was Andre Nicotina, uh, and Mac Dre and the other half was <laughs> face like deep cuts. <laughs> I stand I stand by that CD by the way. If if I made you a CD now of quote unquote good music, it would be basically the same CD. Uh, well, I was and, I, and I had Post to push, Malone apparently. And po- well, I mean, Post Malone is a different kind of artist and I'm not going to put him alongside Andre Nicotina. He's certainly not making the cut on that mixtape just cuz okay. just cuz I respect him as the an artist. The highlight of that you know? mixtape like the deepest of deep cuts was definitely Smooth E. Um, oh, Smooth E. 17 song. Yeah, all my homies love that song now because because of that mixtape. You, I'm so glad that I was able to give you the gift of Smoothie. 
Well, you know, I mean, Royce, you can understand this. I was pushing Bay shit hard. I was like, okay, my cousin's a rapper. He lives in Florida. He needs to know about Bay shit. Uh, so I led with Andre Nicotina because there are no uh, real great famous rappers from San Francisco. All the great Bay Area rappers are from like Oakland, Vallejo, Richmond. So I had to be like, this, this is my guy because he's from the SCO. And like, you know, it hit the, the, the liquor store that he went to was like my liquor store. You know what I mean? So <laughs> like it, it, it had a special resonance with me. But his music shows up in skate videos all the time because well, I still- there's so many San Francisco skaters that, you know, kids get exposed to that music through skate videos. And that's how it spreads. Like, you know, my girlfriend, for instance, was like, oh, yeah, I know AO for AO. I was like, how the hell do you know AO for AO? You grew up in South Florida and suburban Virginia. She's like, oh, yeah, like my my best friend's brother was a skater. And he was like, oh, you should listen to this song while you're doing cocaine or whatever. You know, (laughs) that's how we find good music. Thank God. Thank God for thank God for our friends, older brothers. Where would we be without them? Um, so yeah, I mean, Jordan, I, I encourage you to watch the doc. It's cool because it's a lot about craft. Yes. It's not just about like their career. There is a lot about their career and their cultural impact. But the second episode is really like them talking about like, how did they write? How did they actually make music? How did they make beats? And why what they did was seminal. I mean, one point I, I do definitely want to move on to Old Town Road because I want to have time for that conversation. But one point that's in the film that's pretty powerful about why Wu-Tang resonated, and a lot of people mentioned this, was um, they talked about things that uh, that had emotional resonance, right? Like uh, Seth Rogen, for some weird reason, is one of the talking heads in this documentary. And I'm like, I, he's a hip-hop fan, so he knows what he's talking about. And I guess, like, yeah, get a celebrity, and you want to put some white guys in there, you know? Um, but he said something really interesting, which was like, he said, I loved all that 90s hip hop music. I love Mob Deep. I love this. I love. He's like, but they're, they were all talking about having very difficult life circumstances, but responding to it in like a hard way where it was, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've been through this. I've been through that. I've been shot, stabbed. I grew up in poverty and I'm responding with this kind of violent behavior, this kind of anger. And the point that Seth Rogen made was he's like, uh, Wu-Tang responded with like some real emotional vulnerability. You know, they talked about like being in pain and, you know, it's like Ghostface had a song about his mom, about growing up with, you know, he had siblings that had muscular dystrophy uh, and like how difficult it was to like try and help his single mom raise kids with muscular dystrophy and how he would cry when they didn't have food. It's like it's a good point that like you don't hear that kind of emotional resonance from MCs. You certainly didn't hear it at that time when it was all about being hard. Now, now that Drake came out, everybody's making a song about crying about their girlfriends, you know, (laughs) but that was not going on in the nineties. And, you know, a lot of the Wu-Tang members talk about mental health. It's very interesting. I almost think there's a whole piece in that because in this documentary, a lot of them are like, yo, I didn't know it at the time, but like I was depressed. Yeah. Right. Like I was sad about my circumstances. Some people would say like, oh, you're quiet today. And, you know, I wouldn't talk to people for a few days. And like, and they're, they're all guys who didn't fry their brains on drugs necessarily. So they're still kind of with it enough to talk honestly and reflect back. And they said like, you know, we were depressed because of our circumstances. And, and that was, I mean, that's pretty powerful. And for me, it was like, I, I did learn things from this documentary and that kind of transparency was a big part of it. But it's cool visually too. Like seeing this old footage, like they had video cameras before they had a record deal and they were filming when they were like, you see Raekwon like writing his first verse for Cream. Like, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I never even knew that existed. It's actually, you, you were, when you were talking about the, the emotional side of their music, 
that's the that's the first song I thought about because you know you play that part you play that at a party and everyone screams the hook or whatever and it's all like uplifting but if you actually listen to the verses it's a very dark song about yeah. about how uh crime and and trying to chase the mighty dollar kind of leads to this uh this environment that isn't necessarily the best environment to be in and it's a very honest you know uh a very honest way of describing the environment that they were in and yeah it's it's interesting that you bring up that point cuz and that even Seth Rogen brought up that point of all people. <laughs> of all people. It's a very, it's a very good yeah. and uh, interesting, you know, observation to make about the music. Because now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. It's true. A lot of them. Well, that's the other thing I liked about Ghostface. Is like Ghostface to me was so hard. He's like a big dude, you know. And I won't, I won't regale you with my stories of being a music journalist. But like I, you know, I got to interview Ghostface, and he's like a very, like as a presence, he's a large man. You know what yeah, I mean? He he's like six four or something. And just like very heavy set, you know, what the New Yorkers call brolic. I'll use the yeah. I'll use the word brolic. And he has like a little bit of you know, like a scowl and like he doesn't play. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and yet he has songs where he's like talking about like crying. You know what I mean? And like having a broken heart. And that duality is like very, very powerful. It it I think gives permission to a lot of people who might otherwise not feel like it's appropriate to talk about your feelings or your circumstances in an honest way. So are you trying to say uh ghost is uh Drake before Drake? Bro, you know, we could really, we could have that conversation, really, because you know what? I I made this point to you, Royce, when you said, "Oh, I, I, the reason I don't like Drake is because you're not supposed to be rapping about your emotions." I was like, "Well, no, that's not the reason why. It's because he does very like, I don't want to say, but like, sort of what we consider classically effeminate things in his like lyrical content. Like, well, it, it's you, not about rapping about your feelings because everyone else raps about their feelings in general. Most people do, though. Some people's feelings are a little colder and harsher." Drake specifically will say, I go in my girlfriend's purse to go through her phone. And I'm just like, nah, I'm not cool with that. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I would say, and again, I know I'm stepping on a landmine here by just even mentioning Drake or even trying to launch a soft defense (laughs) of Drake. (laughs) Like the reason he's popular is because there are a lot of men out there who do those things. You know what I'm saying? Actually, I don't think that's the reason why. I think it's because literally the demographics show you the numbers show who who buys the records and it's not men. So, well, but men also like with w- what women like. So that's also why he's popular. Like, I don't oh, think girls, it has like, girls like Drake, so I'm gonna have Drake on my iPod so that I can yeah, play I mean, it when she comes yeah, over. <laughs> literally, like no, it's like it's mood music. Like literally, that's what that is. It's like music you play for the ladies. Like we had, not, you know, uh, you and I, Royce, had a conversation about this a long time ago about misogyny and hip hop, and you know being disrespectful towards women. And Drake obviously came up because every conversation we have, Drake comes up and. <laughs> We, and you were like, he's like, you were like, bro, Drake is disrespectful to women like crazy. Like, every, right. And then I think what I said was Drake disrespects women the way they want to be disrespected. <laughs> but that's also like saying that women like the bad guy. Right? Like that's that's kind of a E-Ming. screwed up thing to, to say about women. That's like misogynistic in its, in its own right. E-Ming. What does that even mean? Come what does off, that mean? Come off mute. What does that mean? <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Explain that to me. Well, what? okay. If you really want me to expand on that theory. Yeah, I do. I will. <laughs> Yeah, I was waiting for this moment. And please, please, (laughs) Eming, correct me if I'm wrong here, right? There is obviously a long tradition of misogyny in hip-hop, right, where there's a lot of stuff that's like sexual violence, promoting sexual violence, using derogatory words words towards women. That's transparently misogynistic, right? A lot of what Drake talks about is a lot more nuanced in terms of, like, I am involved in a mutually unhealthy 
and abusive relationship that I am continuing to keep going and you are continuing to keep going. And a lot of time, I mean, it's, it's very pithy to say the way women want to be disrespected. Obviously, women don't want to be disrespected. Men don't want to be disrespected. And yet we continue to stay in relationships with people who are disrespectful because there's a way to do it that keeps you coming back for more. And Drake has mastered that. <laughs> and and I await your feedback, Eming. <laughs> I only agree with you because I was in that kind of thing once. So uh-huh. I, uh, we've, all, we've all been in that kind of thing. We've nah, all nah, been son, in that nah, kind nah, of thing. Nah, nah, <laughs> not me, beloved. I ain't about yeah, that life. <laughs> See, well, Royce, Royce, disrespect me behind my back. If you do it to my face, oh yeah, it's on, baby. It's on. Well, I mean, Royce, you're just you're a better man than we are, a better person than we are. That you've managed to avoid unhealthy. No, uh, I've had unhealthy relationships. That's not to say that. I'm just saying, don't be, don't disrespect me to my face. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's. I'm not. I don't like the games. Like I don't like games. All right. Well, However, mm-hmm. you know that's that, that, that's the reason. Oh, by the way, that's the reason why South Florida is no longer a place for me. You dig? But. <laughs> Unrelated. Um, unrelated. 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 <laughs> but uh, I don't. I prefer for you to be outright. Like it's just like at a, at a certain point in your life, you don't want to play around. And I feel like Drake is like play around music. It's like kissy face. You know, well, it's, but it's, it's just pop. Not like pop music is for teenagers. So, but of it course. is. But is it? But is it really pop? Pop because it's it's like more like it's still it's in between pop and still kind of like what hip hop. It's, it's true. supposed to be he's, stra- he's straddling the line, which is why he's so popular. Because kids, what blows me away, and I've said... I this, don't know if that's... I think it's also... It's a lot of different things, varying things in there that, like, keep him... Make him make up who he is. His skin color also is a part of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily, like... If you had... Because you've had other rappers that have been, like, pretty emotional over time, and they've never been picked... They, they've never had, like, the run. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of his popularity comes with the fact that he's identifiable to a lot more people. Like you can look at Drake and see him and be like, he's not threatening. He's non-threatening. Yeah, he's yeah, like he's like the he's the Nat King Cole of hip hop. I would say right. No, literally, that's what he is. Yeah, which is its own issue. Obviously, you know, race is going to be part of it. He's non-threatening. You know, and that's fine. Uh, perspective. Can we uh, can <coughs> we can we hit pause on this Drake this Drake conversation, which does not have an end. This Drake conversation will continue until the end of time. Drake will be dead and buried, and our kids will be like, "Well, you know, I always thought Drake was kind of soft," and then somebody else will be like, "But he has good music," you know. <laughs> so let's let's hit the pause button on that. I think we all had fine contributions uh, because I do want to finish the show with a discussion of Old Town Road. Uh, the Lil Nas X song. I'll, I'll just give a brief overview. I mentioned this in, in the intro, but this was a viral hit, right? This was a guy nobody ever heard of from Georgia um, who decided to do something pretty wild, uh, which was to do a cover of a country song, kind of a reinterpretation of a country song with a trap beat and kind of like using the voice of a country singer. But he was rapping. And it was controversial initially because it became a huge hit. It was on the Billboard charts, every Billboard chart, except for the country chart, right? And people are like, well, that's obviously just only purely transparently racist, that that song wouldn't be on the country chart. And then there were, you know, of course, country fans and other, you know, some country fans were like, yeah, that's not country music. It shouldn't be on the charts. And then that became racial. And then some country fans, you know, probably, you know, young people were like, yeah, it's a cool country. Like, what's the big deal? What's the controversy? I, you know, we don't necessarily need to unpack all of the racial, social implications of this song. 
Yes, you have. I will go out on a limb, but you know, please touch on it, Royce. I will go out on a limb and just say I like the song. I think it sounds great. And I would surprise you with this though. And I, I don't, I don't mind it all the way. Okay, that's. A, I don't hate it, but the reason why I don't hate it is because I don't consider it a hip hop song. I don't, I don't consider it rap. He's not really rapping. He's repeating the same like. Hook and have, chorus. Have you been listening to rap music lately, Royce? I mean, <laughs> no, actually, I mean, I like Skepta's new album a little bit. Like, there's, there's, I mean, that's not even rap technically. I guess that's grime. grime, yeah. But that, that's great. Like, I think like there is hip hop still. Like, there's still trap music that isn't necessarily that repetitious. I think he's not really rapping. I think he has like a stanza he uses continuously. Well, what, about the, beat? what about the beat? What about the beat? Talk about the well, beat. That's trap. That's traps. Trappy. But that's still like uh, Miley Cyrus has songs that are trappy and they're not considered trap. That's a good. So point. I don't know if you could consider yeah. that song to be a, a, a hip hop song. I don't know if it's that. I think it's it's above it, sort of. Yeah, it's its own kind of entity that has its own place and its own identity. I don't necessarily love it, but I don't hate it. I mean, I don't think it's like I'm not looking at it under the microscope like, oh, this is supposed to be structured to be yeah. bars, and it's, it's, it, there's none of that that exists in that room. I think it is what it is. I mean, I would say what I appreciate about Old Town Road is what I like about music in general now. One thing that I do like, I don't hate all music now. And again, something that I like about Post Malone is that a lot of this stuff is post-genre. It's like so weird. It's not even a mashup because mashup would be like, oh, let's get a rap beat or a rock beat and put it under a rapper. Like that's two genres. This now is like its own thing. Post Malone's I'm music. I'm throwing shots at you then because I think that means you must love like Barbie Girl and stuff like that. <laughs> Barbie Girl. Wait, what is Barbie Girl? You mean, I'm a Barbie girl yeah. in a Barbie. How? Like, literally, that's the same thing in mashup. It's like Bro. pop but not really, really that, a genre. That is right? such a slant compared it's it's not, completely it's really unfounded. Not, really think about it. Like, you really break this down. Well, okay. First of all, let's get this out of the way. I do like Barbie Girl. Okay, <laughs> that's a good okay. song. It's a catchy song. Now, I just to there's make sure a reason. Like, there's a reason we all know the words to it. It's a catchy song. I mean, no, because it's very easy. But it's yeah. exactly like Old Town Road. That's my point. Like, yeah, Old Town Road is. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not necessarily structured to be a specific genre of music. Right. But that existed before Old Town Road. But wasn't Barbie, Barbie Girl, Barbie World, is it Barbie Girl or Barbie World? Barbie, Barbie Girl. It, is it a Barbie World, is it, Barbie Girl. Well, he knows the words too, folks. <laughs> is it Barbie Girl, that's kind of, that's just an electronic, that's electronic music, right? That's yeah, like, but they, they, again, electronic music track. is vast. But that's what I'm saying, that's a vast spectrum of what yeah. electronic music is. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. It's like hip hop, technically right now, vast spectrum. So this has already existed is my point. Like, yeah, that's this is fine. I mean, all, all I'm saying, and I've made this point before, is when I was a kid, a teenager in the 90s, like your genre was your identity, right? Like, do you like hip hop? Then you need to dress like that all the time. And you need True. to only listen to hip hop. And if somebody finds out that you're at your house at night listening to Nirvana, like you're going to get ridiculed. You know what I mean? Like, or yeah, a, and vice know. versa, I mean, you know, being like being a New Yorker. I don't know if we felt that way. You know, I don't know how it was in the, in the Bay, but out here, I feel like a lot of the kids that, well, surprisingly, even my friends that I didn't know listened to that stuff. We all listened to it because we just stayed up all night. You didn't really have a choice. You stayed up extra late at night to watch like your MTV raps. Yeah, but you had to watch like Headbangers Ball first, right? Yeah, you know. Well, so you we know. all, yes, true. Yeah, we all, we all listen to it. We go to school, you know. My first, like, my first CDs outside of hip hop, I think, were probably not. Maybe Nirvana, like Portishead. Boom. Well, Portishead was trip hop, yeah. so that's kind yeah, of yeah. But that's, that's still hip. not even hip. It's, it's kind of hip hop. Listen to those drums. 
Listen to those drums, buddy. Yeah, no, I mean, but, but it's not hip-hop. It's like, there were scratches. It's not there were scratches in there. Jordan's doing the scratches. <laughs> Portishead's dope. I love Portishead, bro. I love the whole trip-hop genre. I love but everything I feel like I feel like a lot of my friends growing up, I mean, if you got outside of your 10-block radius, you knew everything else, and we talked about it. Like, it, didn't, yeah. it wasn't that big of a deal. I think the city, I guess this city was probably maybe a little different. That's true. Well, I mean, it is like, it's the center of the universe for the, for a reason, because every, yeah. every culture is colliding in New York City, and if you go to a public school, it's, you know, it's going to have enough diverse range that you're going to have exposure to that. I just mean, I like that kids, no matter who they are, if you look at the music on their Spotify, it's like, oh, yeah, I, got, I have Wu-Tang on here. I have Post Malone. I have Katy Perry, I have Mariah Carey, I have, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, and you could be whatever kind of kid. You could be, like, a kid from the projects and, like, have, you know, fucking uh, Drake, Post Malone, and, like, some pop, you know, some light pop, and no, you're not going to get ridiculed for it. I just feel like there's a lot more flow, and maybe I'm, you know, maybe projecting my own experience onto this and over-romanticizing it, but, again, the reason I like Post Malone is right in the middle of his set, he pulls out a rhinestone guitar and starts playing Nirvana covers. Like that's tight to me. You know what I mean? Like that's that's unique. That's something I I wasn't exposed to as a young person. So it's part of what I appreciate, and it's part of what I like about Old Town Road. I mean, if the fact that you can still make controversial music because of genre is like a real compliment to that guy, because every possible genre combination has been made, and he found the one that people were like, I can't get my head around this. You know, and I, I mean, I don't know. Nelly did it before him, man. That's true. That's true. Sweatsuit was it? Sweatsuit. Yeah, he had a song with what was oh, it? Uh, Garth Brooks. Yeah, it was Garth Brooks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got or Toby pulled Keith. over that song one. No, it was Toby oh. Keith. I thought Toby Keith was it. Toby Keith. I think it was Toby Keith. Wait, you got pulled over to that yeah, song? Yeah, yeah. This is good because we need, we like sense memories. <laughs> Tell us about getting pulled over to uh, the Nelly My, Country uh, song, and also explain why you were listening to it. Fred <laughs> <laughs> Sheem goes. Uh, Yo, you know, you know, Nelly came out with a new song, and I said I did not. And he's like, "Listen to how garbage this song is." <laughs> that's a good. That's a good explanation. <laughs> and so we put it on, and you know, I was being a jackass because you know, just hype it up a little bit. So I put the pedal down, and then whoop whoop, there was the police right behind me. Did you guys have weed in the car? Was this a yes, consequential we stop? Had weed. We had an underage kid drinking an open container. Wow! Uh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wow, you Wow, he's like, we're listening to country. That's what you got to do. So now man. I know what the magic formula is. Is it uh, listening to country music? You got to have decoy <laughs> music. You'd be like, oh shit, the, co- the cops are pulling us over. Throw on Old Town Road. Cowboy <laughs> Lighting up the cigarette. Yeah, well, after you light up the cigarette, you put on some old, some country music and, and you'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> Brooks and Dunn, man. Yeah. I'm all about it. But, um, there's a lot of good country music, man. I, you know, I, anybody who knows music knows that there's a lot of good country music out there. No, there is. It's absolutely true. So, that's, that's so when fact. Old Town Road came out, um, you guys may not be familiar with this, but there's been a genre, a subgenre of hip hop brewing for probably the last five years called hip hop. Um, wow. And so it has been a combination of country music and trap music. And it's normally about going out and mudding and, you know, drinking. It's, you know, your normal tropes of country music. Um, Are they white guys? Yeah. Is it white guys? So when okay. this song came out, uh, because I'm in a, a red state and in a red area of a red state. Florida's purple. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's a lot of liberal Jews if you get down around South Florida, man. They're saving that state, bro. You owe them a lot, actually. But uh, I know quite a few hiccoppers, and they were outraged. 
that their genre had been co-opted. And it was just it was wow. ironic, and it was all <laughs> like, beautiful. But this is cultural appropriation, exactly. little Nas X. Don't you know this is our genre? <laughs> it was poetry in motion. It was it was living out in full color. And I was like, this isn't quite reparations, but it's getting close. It's getting <laughs> 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 uh, But yeah, so like it's been brewing underneath the surface. And like I told you, Russell, when we talked about it, listening to it as a record, like as someone who records music. You can clearly tell that this is a group of guys who got together and said, how funny would it be if yeah, yeah, made this yep. like country yep. song to a trap beat? Mm-hmm. And then they just did it. And it's one of those moments, like you're in the studio sometimes and someone throws on a beat and someone says the dumbest hook you ever heard and you record it and then you listen to it back and you go, actually, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. actually, that yeah. shit's kind of fire. Actually, yeah. and you threw it yeah. out there. And the funny thing is, is like three weeks after Old Town Road dropped, and this dude did 100 million streams. I was just looking. Uh, the original has 290 streams, 290 million streams. The remix with Billy Ray Cyrus, Cyrus has 260 million. And I guess wow. Diplo did a remix, and they have 10 wow. million streams on that. He broke wow. Speak of the Devil, Drake's streaming record right off the bat. But wow. he dropped the Trap song right after that. And it got no play. Yeah. You didn't even get that You know, one-hit wonder, here comes the second song. Let's build off of it. The song itself and the phenomenon of the song is really bigger than even the kid himself. Um, well, it kind of feels like the kid has to double down on on the genre and be like, "Yo, we need uh, we need more, you know, country trap songs." Yeah. He needs to yo just get just get with Casey Musgraves, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's the solution. Well, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll let, if you're listening, Lil Nas X, get with Casey Musgraves. <laughs> That's, get that, get yeah. that second, that yeah. second big single. He needs out right that second now. hit. Well, I mean, if, if, if we can say nothing else in favor of Lil Nas X, we can say that he broke Drake's streaming record, so he's no longer number yeah. one. Good job, Lil Nas X. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right, you've been Andy listening. To, <laughs> you've been listening to the Drake Hater Show. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> oh. All right. All right. Um, I don't want to give Eming too much work cleaning up this recording, uh, so I'm going to wrap it up. Really? You guys, I'm, I'm being considerate. I'm, we could talk for hours, obviously. Listen to us. We should have our oh, yeah, own. I had a whole lot of, I had a lot more to say, I know, so yeah. Yeah, let's get this done now because yeah. I'll keep going. We could, have, we could have a spinoff show where that really is just the Drake Hater Show. So uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, thanks, as always, to our fearless and... Uh, venerable producer Eming Piancai who keeps us on task and sounding good um, thanks to our guests Jordan aka Acoustics check out his music if you can A-C-O-U-P S-T-I-X uh, he's on all streaming services Royce Wilder it's your first time on this was fantastic please know that I'm going to be pestering you to come back on the show thanks to both of you guys uh, thanks to our listeners until next time quest on everybody yeah, you you just controversial nowadays. I don't know, man. Me personally, nah, bro. I think you're, you're about to go to the alt right or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those guys got some good hey. ideas, man. You gotta, you gotta yeah. listen to them. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.